picture yourself. Astride a mighty beast. Poised to conquer the open road. The chrome gleams beneath the radiant sun, reflecting a kaleidoscope of colors as if capturing the spirit of freedom itself. The mighty roar of your Harley Davidson's engine reverberates through your body, resonating with every fiber in your being. As you thunder down the road, your heart races in sync with the rhythm of the engine. The cares of the world fade away, replaced by a profound sense of liberation. You are liberated from the constraints of time, obligations and worries. The road becomes your canvas, and with each mile, you paint your own masterpiece. In Africa, however, the motorcycle embodies something quite different. It is estimated that there are 27 million registered motorcycles on the continent. 80% of these are used as passenger taxis or for deliveries. Some of these are in Malawi, where we are heading today. Not to hear about the freedom of the open road, but rather how young people are using what news articles call moving death traps to make a living. The number of accidents involving motorcycles have increased by about 1,700% between 2014 and 2022. Yes, you heard that right. 1,700%. Behind these numbers are an increasing number of motorcycles on the streets in Malawi. Many of them motorcycle taxis, or as they're known locally, kabazas. There's no denying their convenience, but the convenience comes at a cost. This show hasn't suddenly turned into a show about motorcycles. But the business of motorcycle transport highlights something that can't be ignored in a show about youth livelihoods. Because the motorcycle business and the dramatic accident statistics shows how often young people in Africa are forced to engage in risky activities to make a living and support their families. We have spoken about the difficulties facing educated Africans in previous episodes, and while their challenges certainly are real, they are not the norm. Sub-Saharan Africa has the highest rates of education exclusion in the world. Almost 60% of youths between the ages of 15 and 17 are not in school. If it's tough for the educated, how hard must it be for those who didn't get the opportunity to go to school? Some of them are hustling in the streets of Malawi. My name is Sylvia A, and you're listening to Hustling the African Dream.
so if you land in Malawi, you're flying into Blanta, which is one of the cities in Malawi, you want to get a cab to wherever you want to be. And then you go out of the airport, you ask the price of the taxi. This is James Tayali, a MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program alumni from Malawi and our reporter for this episode. James explains that landing in Malawi is quite different from landing in other countries. Because there's no, there's no, there are no online applications such as Uber or other apps that you can call a taxi to be able to, to pick you up. If you don't have a relative, unfortunately, you have to pick one of the taxis at the airport. James says that sometimes their pricing is fair and other times they're just trying to make a few extra kwacha. That's the currency in Malawi. But if you're from Malawi, you will know that a taxi is not your only option. But then just right the corner outside of the airport, if you just walk, let's say, maybe about 20 meters, then you're able to see several motorbikes. And these are all young people, as young as even 17, right? They are able to do this because it ends them living. And these, these motorbike riders can take you anywhere. You don't have to call them up using an app. You just have to, you can negotiate a price and they'll be able to take you wherever you need to be at negotiated prices. James noticed that a lot of young people are venturing into the motorbike industry because it is seen as an easy way to make money. And they do this because they can't find jobs elsewhere. And those risks I mentioned earlier, well, they're kind of an occupational hazard in the motorcycle industry. It's become the easiest entrepreneurship adventure to do. Malawi has about 19 million people. And at the moment, 66% of them are considered to be the youth. And out of the youth, the employment for the young people has been mostly in agriculture sectors, which is in the informal sector. But when you talk about the formal sector, young people have been suffering to get jobs. I don't have this right, this specific statistics, but I do know that about um, 7% or 10% of the youth are unemployed. For example, for youths between 18 and 25, the jobs that are available are generally in informal sectors like agriculture. The problem is that these jobs are seasonal or temporary. This results in young people having to wait until opportunities open for them. Or because of poverty as well, then they have to force themselves to start something of their own. And this could also be like studying a motorbike business, studying a grocery store, or whatever they can get their hands on as long as they're able to put food on the table. The situation in Malawi and a lot of Africa means that young people are willing to take risks that perhaps they wouldn't under different circumstances. But it's not just the drivers. The law of supply and demand means that there must be an equal willingness from ordinary Malawians also willing to take these risks as passengers. Malawi is a very, very poor country. It's in the bottom 10 that are underdeveloped and very poor, and Malawi is there. And in terms of income levels, people do not have, very few people in the middle class that way they can save up to be able to buy a car. As a result, the majority of people have to rely on other people's transport or even public transportation. But there is no regulated public transportation network that people can rely on. For example, there's no bus network that people can rely on that can take them from one point to another, especially within the city. With no public transport, people have limited options. They or someone they know has a car at home, 
they could walk, or they could rely on taxis, which are relatively expensive for locals. But there is, of course, another, more risky option. So the motorbikes have become a convenient way for people to get from one place to another. They are also faster because they can navigate through traffic, but also they can take shorter routes as compared to, to, to the cars that may have to rely on like formal roads, which may not may also reach certain areas in Malawi. Let's put it this way. If you need to get to school or work, an available motorbike is ready and waiting for you. If you need to go to the hair salon to touch up your edges, or if you're feeling like an ice cream on a hot summer's day, a motorbike and its driver are right around the corner. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg. Well, will it? Of all the drivers and passengers that James spoke to for this episode, every one of them have been involved in at least one motorbike accident. Motorbikes are not very, very safe compared maybe to other means of transportation. This is Alvis. He doesn't drive motorbikes himself, but rather is an owner who employs drivers. Alvis is well aware of the dangers facing his drivers, but says he does what he can to mitigate the risks. But what I typically do in my business is that I have helmets for my drivers and like most cases have like like another helmet for like passengers to 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 put on when they get on my my bikes and like yeah it's really tough like it's a bit risky to do the bikes but i see it very much as first providing those safety equipments and then really training my drivers to be more cautious in the road and making sure that they take care of the, the passengers. And today I haven't had any issue, like any major accident with my drivers. And I believe that it's really much around having that training and cautioning about the very, the, the possibility of accidents. Elvis is a banker. He has a job. So what is he doing in the motorcycle business? Yeah, it's particularly difficult to get a job and I was just one of the few lucky enough to get my job. So I just see this as an opportunity to help to help others. Yeah. But as you may have noticed throughout the series, having a formal job in Africa is rarely enough to get by. And many people with formal jobs still have to hustle to put food on the table. And despite his job at a bank, Elvis is no exception. I think mostly if you think about it, it would be like the nature of the economy, like living off one job in this country is not that easy. So just getting into the job, I was able to get an income, which means I could like easily get like buy some bikes and, 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 and employ others. But Elvis's job did give him an advantage, a sort of stepping stone. And that has allowed him to get into the motorcycle business at least one step removed from the risky roads. So I, I got into that and saw it as a way to make more money. But also equally, I saw it's a way to help the community, like help other like school leavers who are not able to get jobs like myself. So just giving them an opportunity to have something to, to be doing in, in the society as well. Right now, Elvis has 50 motorbikes and he employs over 100 people. He hopes to expand his business and reach more passengers. But not all owners share Elvis's success story. Take Tasha Willard. She has been in the industry for over five years. And even though she is an owner, until recently, she made only about 2,500 kwacha per day. That's about $2.50 per day. 
that money was made by her hiring a driver whose qualifications she isn't quite sure about. For example, she doesn't know if he has a license. I'm not sure, but I hope so. I hope so that he has a license. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Recently, the business has come to a halt as Tosh's driver became part of the harrowing accident statistics. Since my boy got into an accident, the motorcycle is no longer operating. Ah, it's no longer operating. Tasha didn't earn enough money off the one motorbike to build up enough reserves to get her motorbike repaired and continue her business. But most people never have the chance to own their own motorbike, and so they become drivers. People like Charles Peary. I looked at the need, which was transport. As most people, they rely on taxis. Charles is 31 years old and has been in the industry for over two years. Before getting into the industry, he saw an opportunity that motivated him to become a driver. I saw to it that uh, there are some other loads eh, mm-hmm. which uh, the cars cannot reach. And uh, using a motorcycle, it would have been, it, 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 it was to my advantage that yeah. uh, I would release them to their final destination. The compact size of motorcycles have given them an advantage over cars because they can drive where cars cannot. Charles is a responsible driver because he has taken all the necessary steps to ensure the safety of his passengers. I do have a license and I do carry one passenger per trip, that is. But despite a license to drive and taking only one passenger per trip, the inevitable must come to pass eventually. Uh, I think it was last week. What happened was that someone was trying to overtake me and he, he didn't give me the, the much-needed signal. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. out of uh, my experience yeah. and trying to avoid the accident, yeah. I made the uh, emergency break. Yeah. Unfortunately, he got involved into a small accident. If you think things like danger pay exist in Malawi, you would be wrong. Charles told James that he earns around $10 per day. As an outsider, the risk versus reward doesn't add up. But this is not the case for many Malawians and indeed many others on the continent. Charles was not badly hurt in the accident and was able to save money to get his motorcycle repaired. More than this, the money he earns as a motorbike driver will go toward buying another one and expanding his business. I need some money as a resource to have another motorbike whereby I should boost my business. In so doing, I'll be able to employ some people within my community who are just staying, others they can't find a job. So I'll bring them to this business and I'll be able to pay them at the end of the day. Charles wants his success to grow and positively affect other young people who are struggling with unemployment. But not all drivers are as prepared as Charles. Take Thomas Mhone, for example. He's 27 and he's been in the business for five years. He was also in an accident. Or should I say, accidents. Many times. Many, many times. I see the way you are carrying passengers. Four, three. Ah, that's bad indeed, Mr. Thomas. Thomas is the kind of driver that carries three to four passengers per trip, even though regulations only allow for one passenger at a time. He doesn't have a license 
and has had many accidents. But he always got back on the bike. That is, until he couldn't. The other accident, I lost a lot. Oh. So I hit a pavement. A pavement. It has affected my life a lot because my left leg mm. was damaged. Oh, so As you can see, yeah. I'm using crochets. Yeah, yeah it seems that Thomas. Thomas rolled the dice one too many times. And you know what they say the house always wins. The accident has changed his life and he's had to change careers. As of now, I'm just selling charcoal. You're saying charcoal? Yes. While this accident has resulted in him not being able to be a driver, it could have been much worse. Thomas earned around 6,000 kwachas or $6 a day as a kabaza driver, and it ended up costing him the use of his leg. For $6 a day, it doesn't quite seem worth it. But for most Malawians, it is. In fact, on the other side of the supply and demand equation, people are paying to put themselves at risk. Yes, I'm a passenger. Yes, I'm a passenger. I use a motorcycle very often, right? Very often. Yes. This is Mr. Amos. As he says, he uses kabazas often. But why would he willingly opt for one of these death rides? Uh, the reason is that where I stay, taxis do not reach. Only motorcycles reach there, so I use them. Yes. The benefit is that the one, they are, they, are, they are not time consuming. You just come, then you go with them. And you reach, they, they reach destinations where cars cannot work, cannot reach. Okay. Yes. Motorcycles have been a very useful resource for people who don't live in the city especially those who live in rural areas where there are no roads. As much as the drivers are willing to risk their safety, so too do passengers who face the same risks as well as the consequences. I was coming from town and I boarded a motorcycle, but the driver failed to negotiate a certain corner, so we had an accident. Convenience has its price. It has impacted my life in the sense that now I fear now I see a body <laughs> motor, um, motorcycle. Oh, you're afraid. Yes. Yeah, okay. If the Harley-Davidson is a vehicle closely linked to the idea of the American dream, perhaps the smaller motorcycles in Africa could be described as vehicles for the African reality. Nobody is ignorant of the dangers in using them, but they are small, convenient and cheap. They represent a mobility that people need in their daily lives, but also one of the only opportunities for social mobility many young people see. The risk is part of this, as it is part of life. And when things go wrong, another motorcycle operator appears on the scene to assist, for example, by transporting people to and from hospital. I do live very close to a hospital. And that hospital usually brings in patients and patients also get out of the hospital when they're going home. But you'd see that most of the times, almost 90% of the people that are traveling to the hospital and outside of the hospital are using motorbikes. And it's scary because patients are coming in, they're frail, they're sick, they don't have any sort of strength to even walk. 
but you see them holding onto a motorbike and they're trying to get to the hospital. And then when they're getting out, you see that on that route that people are taking, there's no taxi. And if there's a taxi, it actually puts a price on top to tell people that this is the price I'm willing to take to go to this route. So then you see that people are able to now just use the motorbikes because they can negotiate prices. Sometimes motorbikes can even go to some terrains where the car will not be able to reach. So they become sort of the only option for some people to travel with. Even if the vehicle you have access to is neither safe nor optimal for the job, it is there and it fills a gap. Without motorcycles, many more would be out of options. And sometimes the cost of not having access to any transport can be devastating. Here is James again. My own grandfather at some point, that was back in 2004, my grandfather died because he could not get to the hospital on time. Um, They tried to call for an ambulance. They tried to call for help when he was having sort of a heart failure and heart issues. And nobody was showing up until they had to call for somebody who has a car in the village to sort of pick him up and get him to the hospital. By the time he got to the hospital, his situation was very worse and the doctors could not do anything. Eventually, in about two or three hours, he died. In 2019, the World Bank stated that 85% of Africans live on less than $5.50 per day. Not nearly enough to consider buying or even paying for transport in a car. And in many places, public transport is a pipe dream. But in Malawi and across the continent, ordinary Africans still have places to go, families to feed, hopes and dreams to pursue. And this is where the convenient, cheap and dangerous motorcycles enter the equation. After all, what choice do people have? There is but one choice. Hustle. This podcast was produced by Telltale Media and the Human Sciences Research Council in partnership with the MasterCard Foundation. For more awesome content like this, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts and you'll be notified whenever new episodes are released. Lastly, if you're enjoying this series, leave us a rating or review. We'd love to hear from you. Next time on Hustling the African Dream. I think the food economy itself in Ghana is thriving. It's something that is upcoming and you won't find yourself in a space where there's no, and this I mean just small ventures, like small joints. Every place you go, you'll find six, seven people. And you don't need so much capital to do that. You have people that just set up tables and other stuff, and then you're just selling. My passion, I love to cook. Cooking is something I can do even when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also what drove me. At that time, the food baskets was something that had had just started in Ghana. So a lot of people were um, interested in it. And I also love food. So I decided that then let me start with the food baskets. And I'm like, okay, this is me, a 21st young woman. So what I can do is to break it from the value chain and think about how to add value to the local produce, especially cereals, vegetables, and fruits that are produced in Ghana.